Hello, I'm Aaron Kelshiker, and welcome to CFA UK's In Conversation podcast. This is a show for investment professionals focusing on a whole manner of topics and interesting insights that are affecting the profession today. In this episode, I'm joined by Miren Idurne de Frutos, who's a securities finance trader at JP Morgan, and talking about her experience of being neurodiverse in the investment industry. Thank you, Aaron. I very much look forward to the conversation. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey from diagnosis to disclosure to your employer? Of course. A lot of it dates back to my childhood. Um, I was only six uh, when I was first told by teachers that I was not intelligent, despite of, uh, my high IQ, and that I would never make it to university. After only a few years later, an endless MRI scans, doctors gave me then the diagnosis that I had a rare form of epilepsy, which meant I, I would never or we will have to rely on, on having care, really. Um, so throughout my life, I always felt a bit different in that I always been restless and very energetic and, and hyper. Uh, so it was not surprised that, that when I was eventually in my adulthood diagnosed with ADHD and, and dyslexia. And, and it's only been in the last few months, really, and my current role at JP Morgan, when I have to take an additional um, professional qualification, that then I decided for the first time really to um, uh, use special accommodation basically for the first time and um, while trying to hide it from my managers. Um, but due to endless delays and trying to run the exam uh, because of the special accommodation requirements, then I found with no choice. But to tell my, my management team that basically the reason of the delay and uh, have to disclose within basically weeks of joining a new firm and starting a new role that, that I was that I was dyslexic. Um, so yeah, doing this was possibly the hardest uh, thing I ever done professionally and uh, and it, it made me feel extremely vulnerable as even up to up to today. Um and yeah, I pray thought to my man. Uh, thinking, you know, I'm, I'm going to lose my job now that they know I'm, I'm dyslexic. Uh, how, how can I possibly hire a dyslexic trader uh, in a tier one organization? But the response I, I got from my management team has been uh, amazing. And I mean, I wasn't expecting that at all. And I still, I mean, I still have to go through my personal battle uh, and, you know, come to terms about the fact that I, I, I came out professionally in the professional environment um, and obviously all the memories from the struggles from childhood came out um, but yeah the support I got has been it's been amazing really um, so um, particularly given given my my background I now I feel a massive sense of, of responsibility uh, to try to level the playing field because I know how hard it is um, and recently, um, I created and started a petition to improve funding for neurodiversity diagnosis in, in schools. I also sit at the CFA UK DEI committee and then as well a neurodiversity ambassador for the diversity project. So the, the way I see it now is that I'm fortunate enough to have a seat at the table at the forum that, you know, has my back. 
uh, like J.P. Morgan, and I think I, I, you know, the Lisa can always embrace awareness about being neurodiversity that I feel is generally underrepresented within the DI agenda. And I just hope ultimately my goal would be that I can help others uh, by being an advocate and I'm hopefully raising them, uh, awareness and, you know, sharing my story. And uh, and thank you very much for for obviously raising awareness and continue to making continue to make your contributions, um, which are you know really valued and, and appreciated for um, uh, for moving the agenda meaningfully forward. Um, Mirren, just looking at your your professional role, you know, you know high pressure job, high pressure role. How do you cope with ADHD and dyslexia at work? It's funny. One of my colleagues was saying, "And you're as well." dyslexic, uh, like thinking I don't have enough with having one or the other. Um, yeah, as I say, generally I'm very impressed with, with the support, um, especially Mandy went totally out of his way to try to put me in touch with um, everyone from occupational health, as well as the global neurodiversity teams within the firm. So, um, yeah, spending most of my life uh, at the workplace is, is something really, really important. And uh, but equally, I don't, I don't want that to overshadow my, my agenda. Um, so um, for me, that's that's really important as, uh, you know, I, you know, I think it's, um, uh, the, you know, the, the key, the key to um, succeed in a role. You know, it's obviously feeling that you know management the firm uh, is in line with with your um, values, um, but I think equally you should be in a role neurodivergent or not that plays to your strengths and and the fact that you know I work on a busy trading floor when you need to constantly multitask and be interacting with others really suits my hyperactive personality the the VIP picture thinking and, and and the people agenda so that that really that really helps in trying to play to, to your strength and find a role that really you know suits your special uniqueness uh, the, the, the way I see it. Equally I'm not the best as, as asking uh, for help. Um so again my managers are you know are really good at keeping an eye on me uh, if in a way um, so obviously the fact that they know that this Lexi, for instance, when I have to do big write-ups, uh, you know, they they are mindful that, you know, I may need extra time. Um, and with ADHD, it gets a little bit, uh, it's, like I say, a bit more nuanced in the sense that it's a, an internal constant battle between system one, you know, the fast thinking, intuitive, that is on most of the time. I'm so trying to let the system to uh, kind of have a chance to just to have a say. So it is it is training in that, that sense, but um, I think, uh, you know, being in a really busy and, and social, you know, constantly to be talking to my colleagues, to clients. So I found that, that you know, energize me and bring the best the best in me really i guess but very closely related to that is is um is obviously managing managing oneself and so how do you deal with the um the physical consequences um of your diagnosis yeah it's um it's only recently um and, and i can see that um that the, now you have all the experts kind of linking the 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 two the the connections or making the connection between the the brain and and the body um and it 
kind of all makes sense once you my diagnosis is how, how that explains um so it's particularly with ADHD that I I noticed that there's um, a number of things that you know obviously can help uh, again being neurodivergent or not so it's the base getting the basis right so sleep trying to stay away from any alcohol caffeine and and exercise really important because it's a way of of kind of ch- channeling out the extra energy uh, and obviously managing chronic stress stress levels um so unfortunately it gets uh, from time to time is roughly once a year that uh a combination of built up of of uh, stress um trigger a, a seizure um and yeah that so that leads me to be taking unconscious um to a and e and and you know sometimes it can be a bit uh, extreme um yeah so it's been a few instances that that has triggered arrhythmia which is basically when when your heart stops um only for it for a few seconds um but it's, it's something that i need to keep an eye and 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 it's, it's kind of you have to be in tune more with with your body and um kind of yeah they, like you were pointing out they self-managing it becomes more apparent than i suppose for people they they are not neurodivergent I mean, thank you very much for uh, for sharing um, sharing your experiences there. If we look at the current diversity, equity, and inclusion agenda within financial services and across society, gender, race, ethnicity, and social mobility are issues which need to be actively discussed and actioned. Frequently, individuals are disadvantaged from an intersectionality of these characteristics. What are your own thoughts about the challenges arising from intersectionality? Yeah, I think that they are very prevalent even uh, today, unfortunately. And in my experience, the fact that, uh, you know, I was born to a lower socioeconomic background family with me being the first one to attend university. And on top of that, being neurodiverse, it it hasn't been easy. Um, I didn't have any role models around me. And that's what I think is is important that I'm here today speaking to you. So hopefully other people can you know relate and um, and, and get inspired um but yeah you you would quickly have to learn that uh, you know that it states that um when you are a child and you have no resources that yeah if you ever wanted to achieve anything um you needed to work really hard and and, and that's when gender as well comes to um the fore um, because you know, women we tend to mask it and work harder to try to make up for the lack of X, Y, Z. Um, so naturally, you become more resilient and determined along, along the way because um, basically you are, you are left with no, no other option. Um, but yeah, this hasn't been without any these challenges at all. As um, I didn't, I didn't go to the right schools. You know, you don't have the right network. All resources um, and that meant I, I could only get a diagnosed when um, during adulthood. Um, and yes, as I was mentioned, you just learn to compensate for it and along the way and, and mask uh, your limitations. Um, and again, uh, touching um, on the part of um, the gender, uh, notably within ADHD, so girls opened internalize their hyperactivity they tend to mask uh, more uh, to you know as, as, as a way to comfort to to the social role so yeah it's it's, it's very much um 
you know, something that I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, and, you know, hopefully conversations like this, you know, help along the way. So following on from there, I mean, what advice would you have for people who are neurodiverse um, in how to disclose their diagnosis in the, in the workplace? Having gone through the experience um, a few months back, um, I would say that this is something extremely personal. I have people advising you, you, you should just disclose it. And, um, and I think it's, um, it shouldn't be taken lightly. So again, going through my experience, that I went through three, you know, really, I would say traumatic, but very emotional months when I was going through, through the process um so um yeah it's 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 not easy um even if you have all the help that the the one i had um more um just need to go through the self-management process and obviously there's there's all these emotions and experience that come back from from your childhood and and experience throughout your career so yeah what i would say to people is it is never the right time but if anything, I think now there's um, more comprehension, I think more understanding about it than, you know, a, a decade ago. So it is important to, to have that honest conversation with, with your management team. But I appreciate it's not always the case. You know, um, about 50% of uh, there was a survey recently that came out that's it. They they don't want to disclose and and I understand because you don't know what whether the result is gonna be um but uh, yeah for for that to happen um for people to come up and 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 sell their experiences and disclose um they they there needs to be a culture of trust and open communication so so individuals they they feel safe um. And it's the, the same if you bring new hires into the firm, this that they are not the best, it is great, but it's only halfway there, you're only halfway there. Then you need to nurture and look after these individuals and um for them to one thing safe enough and, and then so that they they can you know be the best themselves and put them in the role that play to, to their strengths. So I think we all must take responsibility from, you know, the hiring managers, the so the, the managers, HR, um, to, to make them feel inclusive and and yeah, um and nurture that uh, that different way of thinking that we very much need in my opinion in, in every organization. For people who are thinking of um having those conversations. Um, are there resources which would be supportive that you think would be good for them to explore further? Um, also, you know, for employers and managers um, as well for uh, to try and, and understand more about um, the um, conversations which they would be embarking on. Um, what sort of resources or supporting materials do you think would you may be able to suggest? There's, there's quite a, a few um, organisations. Um, obviously, I, I, I mentioned them in both also with the CFA UK and DI and uh, the Diversity Project. Um, but um, you will find it on, on the comments on the podcast. Um, so as I say, there's OTC in, in work, um, this practice foundation, PDA, this lecture organisation, ADHD awareness. Um, 
plenty of articles um, that are, we're making them available for you to read. Um, um, and then obviously there's, um, there's a lot of academia resources um, that, that is, is, is available out there, but, but there's a lot of industry organizations as well, that, you know, the HR magazines. Um, so there's plenty for you to read. Um, we're putting in the comments. Um, and obviously, by all means, reach out if if, if you have any questions or, or you want to keep the conversation going. What would your closing message be to people who are thinking of having those conversations in the workplace and also potentially for employers? For me, Aaron, the, the key has been to not believe this people narrative about me and it's there to build my own. So yeah, my message uh, to, to people would be to not let anyone tell you what you can do. It is not going to be easy and you will have to be extremely resilient, notably within the financial services sector, uh, but just believe you can do it. And, and as discussed it earlier, find a role that plays to your strength. Um, and your uniqueness skills and, and belief in yourself and and you will deliver. Being the rest of the way I see, I, I see as a competitive advantage and I appreciate in some organizations they have it under the disability, which don't see myself as such. So I think with these individuals with the best way of thinking bring to the table is a lot of energy, a different perspective which will be beneficial for any firm and any organization. So employers must be intentional about attracting this type of talent um, and about the equitable nature of the, the systemic structure. So it's not just the hiring, so trying to make it accessible and equitable for everyone, regardless of the background and different way of thinking. But that also comes to the hiring and the promotion process so some organizations for instance they remove the KPIs because they find it's, it's not that when dealing with um, neurodiverse individuals and all that will do is bring a, a more diverse culture um, equitable and more inclusive in my opinion. Mirren thank you very much for um, sharing your experiences and your insights it's been uh, an inspirational conversation and thank you very much to everyone for listening Remember to look out for future episodes of CFA UK's In Conversation podcast through the usual uh, social media and email channels. And you can also subscribe through CFA UK's SoundCloud channel or Apple Podcasts. Thank you, Aaron.